Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sebastian, what are you mumbling? It's, it's nothing. Sorry, Nana. <laughs> Hey, Hollywood lifers out there. Um, this is the this is our weekly podcast, and we have got some very special guests here today. We're so excited to welcome Asa Butterfield and Maude Apatow, stars of this fabulous new film that I saw this weekend, The House of Tomorrow. Welcome, guys. Thank you. <laughs> yes, we've got quite a, a large audience here for you today. The fans are here. <laughs> And that, of course, is Gino, our producer. What's going on? Hello. So welcome to New York, guys. Um, this is a really, really interesting movie, and uh, it's opening on April 27th. And it, whoops, there I am, okay. And it's about, it's, it's about three teenagers, really, are the heart of the film. And Asa, you play, now this is a really interesting name. I didn't even know people had these names today. Sebastian Prendergast. You got it right. Yeah. Very serious name. And you're actually playing a very serious uh, young man, a teenager, who seems a lot older than his years, and it seems very socially awkward. Mm -hmm. And you've been living in isolation with your grandmother, who is a disciple of the famous architect Buckminster Fuller. That's right. A lot, I, a lot of great names in this movie. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, Prendergast yeah. goes with Buckminster. Yeah. That's a... Yeah, that's a mouthful. Buckminster, right? Buckminster. Not Buckminster Buck, Fuller. Or Bucky. As, as Bucky. Yeah. That's right. He's He feels very close to you because your grandmother knew Bucky. Mm. And she, that's what she calls him. Mm -hmm. And... You live in this incredible house that's a geodesic dome, and it's um, it's a real house, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it's actually these, a famous spot. These domes are and have been a kind of popular – well, I say popular. Very few people actually live in them. But it's a really – when Bucky kind of popularized them um, – he in, created, basically was the creator of the geodesic he, dome. Well, I, he didn't invent them, but he was the one who, I think, realized the potential for for them and, and, and made them popularized. And so today there are people building domes all over the world. And the dome is the most environmentally friendly, the most uh, sustainable, the most uh, efficient way of living. Um, and, and, and that's been proven. And so my character being raised in this literal bubble um, it's weird. I have a knack. I don't, I don't know why. I always play these like oddballs. I don't know what it is. Is, is it if it's my face? Yeah, you were an oddball kid in Hugo. Got, <laughs> yeah, I've got a few. I got a few of them up my sleeve. But no, Sebastian um, has lived a very sheltered life. He's 16 years old, and um, his parents died, so he's been raised by his nana and her kind of philosophy. Um, taken from Bucky's uh, Bucky's ideas and Bucky's ideals, and he lives in this in this kind of naive world of 
of um, of blending vegetables and cleaning windows and being like a part of the world, uh, being a part of the planet, and 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 and, and yeah. eating walnut cheese and eating walnut cheese. <laughs> He's can- never had processed cheese until the movie. Yeah, or until we meet him. Um, and this film kind of uh, you experience his um, what's the word? His kind of. Um, what's the word? His awakening to the outside world. His awakening, thank you, to the outside world and all those experiences through primarily punk music. um, Well, and it's through meeting Maud's character, Meredith, okay? Meredith Whitmore? Whitcomb. Whitcomb, Whitcomb, Meredith Whitcomb, and her brother, Jared. Mm -hmm. And they come there on a tour of your house and they're with their dad, and he's like the, the youth group leader or something from the evangelical church. So they're <laughs> evangelicals, though not very. And um, and they develop a friendship. And so this is what awakens you to the outside world, your interactions with uh, Meredith and with Jared. And Meredith, you're kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah, your character. Like you're the sister of Jared, and Jared is is played by Alex Wolf and it turns out he's just had a heart transplant a few months ago. Right. But it, but you're not giving him like any sympathy for this. You're the tough sister. Yeah. Aren't you giving I, him tough love? Right. And I think that's like what was so interesting about the character too is that it is like it's very complicated. I think like she feels so much grief. She isn't really sure how to process it cuz she is still so young and their mom isn't around so she was sort of forced to um, like assume the position of the mother and take care of her dad and take care of her brother. And I think she is overwhelmed with the amount of responsibility that she has. And so maybe her stress or like, I, I think it just comes out in maybe with anger, but she doesn't, that's not necessarily but she what she's it turns out she's not really, she's really con- very right. kind. She's and got she, a soft spot. Yeah. 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 And she enables, she enables her brother and um, Sebastian to actually put together a punk band, right, right, and rock out. Mm-hmm. How how will you guys say just for our audience since they can't see you? How old you guys are? Um, yes, will you go first? I like am, in real life? Yes, I'm 21, just turned. Yeah, I'm 20. Right, so you're very close in age. And you were yes. How into or familiar with punk music or like the the original punk bands that you were listening to in the movie were you coming into this project I had a quite a small um I, I didn't know much about it I knew I knew a few bands but I never really listened to punk music it was never like my thing growing up um thankfully Alex who plays Jared in the movie is a punk kind of fanatic. Oh, so really? Yeah. He already was. Both of us, in fact, to a whole world of punk music, um, the replacements, Minor Threat, The Clash, um, and and we would literally that's all we listen to on the shoot <laughs> in the, in the, on the drive in to set. We would just be listening to punk music, hair makeup. Hair it was makeup, like punk well, it music. get you into the mood, <laughs> yeah. and um, and we'd be learning these punk tracks and even writing them. Me and Alex wrote a couple, of, uh, wrote a few songs for the movie. We played a live show in St. Paul. Not even like part of the film we oh just really and just said you know what to try it out let's try to it get out the, let's, the let's spirit get of the things spirit let's like let's be a punk band and it was great and i, I learned the basic guitar which i loved I've so you never played to... guitar before this no i'd play i used to play a bit as a kid but i love music and I, I play a bit of piano but bass has always been something i've wanted to kind of i think bass players are like the coolest musicians <laughs> <laughs> so i was pretty chuffed to be able to take upon that responsibility in that role um and, and you it, picked it up so quickly yeah, we sound, we sounded. Crazy. I mean, punk 
music is all about kind of not really giving a crap. Right. But it, you, when you have that kind of that energy and that just that passion, you, it, we did sound good. I mean, you I, did. <laughs> and cool. you got really, really energetic. And what's great about this movie is that all the music you hear in it is is recorded live. We didn't do any recording afterwards. It's all and the audio. songs were original. The songs are original. Chronic we recorded Masturbator. It on set. <laughs> Chronic Masturbator. That was their big. That yeah. was their big hit. Chronic yeah. Masturbator. It's gonna be a smash. <laughs> yeah. So relatable. <laughs> well, I'm sure it is to a lot of young people. Well, maybe not just young people. Um, but, but it's interesting because, of course, you come from the birthplace of punk. You know, because the Sex Picks Pistols. Mm-hmm. Were the uh, were kind of original punk band and the Clash that was yeah. like it was it's massive part of um, uh, coming from London and I didn't really I guess appreciate that until uh, I met with Alex and he was like like punk like we apparently I don't really know if the British kind of made punk into what it is today no they did um, absolutely which is cool except that do you have a favorite punk band now both of you uh, the, probably the Clash the Clash what about yeah. you Maud? I think I didn't know the replacements before, but like, yeah. Yeah, they're great. great. Clash was more like poppy. They had more like big melodies, more recognizable as a pop band, Mm -hmm. I think. But don't you, didn't you guys find that like punk music is like the opposite of what's popular today? Like Mm -hmm. it's almost like we're having a revival of the 90s where every song is like bigger and more glitzy and more produced than the last. Yeah, it's true. It's very poppy there. It's kind of like the new version of Duran Duran. It's all auto-tuned, whereas like the punk movement was all about like going into your garage and recording something really gritty and simple. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I don't really listen to music that's kind of on necessarily on the charts. So there's, as you said, the big kind of produced um, auto tune, kind of loads of like money, and they all kind of sound the same. And punk music has a kind of realism to it. If they mess up, you hear them mess up, and it just adds to that kind yeah. of that feeling and the anger which is in the music. And uh, like a lot of those bands are just three people, whereas like all songs today, if you look at the track and like the project file it's like 200 layers of sound it's just like yeah. a wall of sound coming at you whereas like if you're on bass and your bass goes out well there's only two people playing music now right yeah so you guys have to check out the ramones there are new york city like original pop of i mean course. no punk punk band they're I, I, so I, I, good i've heard of the ramones yeah you'd like their music so the thing is, is that this is like the the culmination it's really exciting um when you guys play but do you think um, I also did some research actually on heart transplants after mm-hmm. I saw that. And I can really understand the character, this Alex, Alex's character, Jared, why he's so determined to, to play and to live his life because, um, there's like only about 50% of, uh, heart transplant patients live 10 years. Like it's not mm-hmm. a guarantee that when you get a heart mm-hmm. transplant that right. you're done for the rest of your life, like you're good, mm-hmm. good to go. So I understood more the character's anxiety he's and a, I guess your a, grief. Yeah. He's on a fuse and he kind of deflects that um, with his kind of his, his macho-ness and his, 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 his he, he laughs about it and that's his way of deflecting it all. How yeah. are you guys just distributing this movie? Are you guys at all worried about that end of the process now that it's been so upended by Netflix and like especially with indie films, a lot of them like – go straight to Netflix instead of getting a release in theaters and stuff like that. Were you guys involved at all or concerned about how your movie is going to be viewed? Uh, well, I think it, it, we so we shot this movie almost two years ago. Wow. So which is crazy. So we've been waiting for it. What happened? Be- what's it been? What's, what's <laughs> gone on for two years? <laughs> I don't know if we've like really, yeah, yeah, things take a long time. And I don't know if we've been 
involved in that process at all but i think we do have a theatrical release and we're like super excited about that do you guys prefer that like as like such young people do you care if there's a theatrical release or is it sort of like like they say like a lot of people and i find that with myself i'm kind of like more and more platform agnostic it's like my iphone or the theater it's like all (laughs) the same not not really but i I think i'm a strong believer that film should be watched in a cinema I think that's when when you're making a movie, you're watching it. You, it's made to be watched on a big screen and an immersive experience. Yeah. Um, Netflix has, I mean, it's it's done wonders in a lot of ways for the accessibility of movies, as well as the ease of distributing movies around the world to millions of people. Um, and it and I, and I think it's great, but it has also, um, it's definitely meant that the, the cinema experience is kind of lost right and it's such a special experience i think of when you're in a film and you're sort of feeling the energy of the crowd there too while you're watching like Mm -hmm. it's like you're having a shared experience now both of you have really you've really grown up in the film business i mean um asic as you started so young performing like how did you ever get started and get a big movie when you were nine years old was that your first movie you starred in hugo um, no, I did Hugo when I was, um, 12 or 13. You look so young. I know. Um, but I did, I, I mean, you look like about six <laughs> in that movie. I was a, I, I've got a young face. I still do, which I kind of, I, I know in 10 years time, I'll be thankful for it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, the first kind of big role I did was the boy in the striped pajamas mm-hmm. when I was 10. I guess I looked about five then. <laughs> Isn't that a little better, up? though, as a child actor, like looking younger than you are? So you're like cognitively more developed and you can be a little better of yeah. an actor, but you look the part of a young kid. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely a part of it. But I think I think when you're that young, acting isn't something you think about. You don't I mean, I, I can't really remember. It was so long ago, but I don't really remember thinking of a process or kind of trying to break down the character. You just when you're that age, you just kind of. Go be with it, it. and, and you do just it. Like, you, it's like make believe when you're a kid. You're just having fun, and you kind of when you're on set, it's like oh, all these like adults kind of were things you, are going on. But were you a fan of Scorsese at the time? Like he's probably my favorite filmmaker. But you're so young, and when you met him, he you was, were so young. He was twelve. I, 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 I hadn't, I hadn't <laughs> you seen, hadn't seen Goodfellas, <laughs> I imagine. <No. laughs> I don't no. think so. I, I uh, have you seen I, it now though? <laughs> I've seen. Oh, I, love, I love Goodfellas. Okay. The first Scorsese film I watched, which was leading after I got the role, and I realized. Well, this is a big deal. I should probably watch some of these. Yeah. Uh, King of Comedy, which is one of his only movies that uh, isn't like an 18. Yes. Or, uh, what do you guys call it here? Oh, restri- P- oh, N- oh, yeah. Something like I that. I love that movie. NC-17. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Marty is amazing. Um, and then and it's, uh, it's, I think when I was that age, I didn't really, uh, I guess, appreciate it. No. For, for what it was because I was still so young. I didn't necessarily understand Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
the full extent of what was going on. I mean, it was an amazing set and then working with him was an honor. And he taught me so much specifically about movies and the history of film and his inspiration. So it sounds like he had a lot of patience for kids. Uh, yeah, I think he did. I mean, it was a nine month shoot. So you, oh you my have God. to. Does he talk as fast just on set and in real life as he does like in interviews and stuff? He is a mile a minute, that man. <laughs> he, he is. He can talk when he's especially about movies. Like he could would, be an auctioneer. Would, <laughs> that's the speed. <laughs> yeah, we would have long, long talks about films and he'd, he'd often give me a movie to watch over the weekend. And then would, he would talk to me about it. I say we have a conversation. He would do a vast majority of the talking and I'll just be kind of listening. And <laughs> Did you have that same experience, Maude, on, on Knocked Up, being so young and not quite knowing, like, what was what? Was what? Oh, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> I mean, it, I think it was different because I was working with my parents, so it felt even more just like, I, I, I mean, everything felt so, like, comfortable. It just sort of felt, I don't know. I can't, I can't even remember. I was very young. I was seven. So it was just like for you, it was just kind of a fun thing to do with your parents and your younger sister because she was in there too, right? Mm-hmm. I always wonder like about like when you think about Blue Ivy, like when did Blue Ivy like find out that her mom was Beyonce? Not just mom Beyonce, but like Beyonce that we all well, know, right? Well, she may right? not yet. She's only like three or four. But I feel like she knows now. If you saw her hushing her mom at the other award show, like she seems to get it now. But did you have a moment where you're like, oh, my dad is, oh my God, he's like. People know him. Not just know him, but he's considered like one of the, I don't know, the best comedic filmmakers ever, at least of his generation as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe like when uh, I remember like we were watching, um, someone came up to my dad who said that when, uh, he, he basically said like watching his movies helped him feel better when he was sick with cancer and that was the sort of moment where I was like oh that's an amazing thing that like and that's amazing that what my dad does can help people through hard times sometimes or just take their mind off it at least and like that I think maybe something like that made me realize that I don't know are you a fan of his on your own right or is he just dad Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, Freaks and Geeks is like my favorite show ever. Really? Okay. I think it's amazing. Yeah, me too. I love that show. And would how did you feel like, because you've worked with your father since, so what is it like, um, you know, kind of being like defining when you're working for him and he's the director and then when he's just dad and your mom, you're acting with her and she's an actress, but then she's mom. I mean, I think I, I did all of that when I was so young, so I'm... I don't know, but the last thing I, that I did with them, I was like 13. And I think, uh, I mean, I definitely like you're on set. You have respo- like certain responsibility. You need to, I mean, it. it's no different than any set. I think my parents expected a lot from me and I was, I knew that and yeah. So you were down for that. Oh, 100%. And, like, just because my parents are there, that, that makes it even, like, less okay to mess around because <laughs> they're, they're yeah. I you felt these- added responsibility because you were the daughter of the, the, the director and the star. Or just wanting to do a good job because mm-hmm. I care about, like, what my parents think the most. I used, I used to work for my dad, and there felt like there was, like, extra pressure being, like, the boss's kid. And then you mm-hmm. have, feel like... If you mess up, there's kind of like all eyes on you. Are you getting special treatment? It's like an extra level of stress rather than it being, at least in my experience, it's like worse than just being anonymous. Um, yeah, I mean, if anything, like it's only made me want to work harder to prove myself and separate myself from them. So 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really that's really interesting because I think that you know having interviewed like some other um, children uh, offspring of uh, famous actors actresses uh, people in film or television uh, I think that they feel like on one hand this is their world so they it, it doesn't feel alien like they've just grown up this way. But I think that on the other hand, some of them feel like kind of more rebellious. Like there's a mixed batch of feelings, I think, when we've talked about this. Like some who do feel, I'm saying the word feel too much, (laughs) who do feel like that added sense of responsibility to, you know, really live up to expectations and others who kind of feel a little bit rebellious about the whole thing. Um, Well, I mean, I'm like lucky to have these opportunities and like I I think – I mean, it would be a waste to not behave. I don't know. I think my parents have always taught me. My parents worked really hard to get where they are. And, like, I've never, like, taken any of that for granted. And, like, that, I don't know. They've, like, raised me to just not be that way. I don't know. And I never would. One of my favorite stories about, about one of my favorite stories about your dad Judd is like when he was coming up in the comedy scene and he was like other com- when he was like uh, you know doing stand up and stuff or writing with other writers like as a really young man sort of breaking into Hollywood it's like they would all do their sets and do and do their work and then afterwards like the other comedians would all go out all night and Judd would go back to his apartment and write all night and and his his takeaway from that was just like I got where I am by sitting down at a typewriter over and over and over and over and over again and working really, really hard. Like my movies are funny because I rewrote them 10,000 times. Like, Mm -hmm. and that seems to be like his central ethos is like, it's, it's, it's labor, it's sweat, it's hard work. It's not an accident. And just from watching my parents, I've seen my whole life, how hard they work. And like, that's what I've always like wanted to be. Cause I know how hard it is and like the hard work pays off. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I don't think that people who are on the outside of very glamorous professions understand that, yeah, that's just as much hard work as any other profession. We actually um, had Gene Simmons from KISS on mm-hmm. the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he told us that he never knew how to write music. He never learned any any had any musical background, but he just decided, I need to write music because I want to be a rock star. And he literally would sit at a, uh, at his desk from nine o'clock in the morning and just force himself to come up with music. It was just hard work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're so inundated now with people who got famous on accident. Like they tripped over something and went on YouTube and went viral. And like, now I'm a celebrity and I have sponsored Instagram posts. And like, so people see that as the example of like how you get a career. And it's not, I mean, if you want to actually be in showbiz, like, with some longevity, you have to like sit down and work at it, right? I mean, I'm sure. Do you find that just in learning how to be an actor, like you have to really, uh, like, kind of study and practice? And- yeah, of course. Let me ask you guys: um, the House of Tomorrow, I think, is is really directed at a younger audience, don't you think? Like, it's at a young people's audience, teenagers, people in their twenties. I'd say so. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a, it's a coming of age movie, um, but I think it's relatable to young people but also parents because it is uh, one of the sort of I guess the uh, themes I don't really like the word theme but it's movies about children and their guardians and guardians who uh, may be overprotective and not letting them experience things and making the mistakes that they should make at a young age so I think it really it, it although it's about these kids it, it's it's got quite a wide scope 
for people and, and an audience. Yeah, and complicated family relationships. Yeah. And complicated characters too that I think like any I mean just qualities that like most people possess. They see themselves in the characters in the movie. Well, yeah. I mean, cuz you're you're all struggling in some way and trying to find yourselves. But why do you think there's so few movies made today that are really directed at young people? I mean, when I was growing up, like I I grew up in the John Hughes era mm-hmm. where there were filmmakers who were just making movies about uh, the teenage experience and they could be funny. Sometimes they weren't funny. Uh, mean Girls was, you know, came out when I was pretty young. And there just doesn't seem to be too many movies that are directed at young people anymore. Do you think so? I feel like, or just like Lady Bird or like Edge of 17 too. Like, I think there are... Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I, I mean, seeing, like, I loved Lady Bird mm-hmm. and like seeing that and as a teenager and like, I feel like it's kind of, it's so exciting to see movies that are like so accurate to what teenagers are actually like. And so I think that movie or this movie, House of Tomorrow is a very good like example of that. And it's exciting as like a young person to read a script mm-hmm. that is like so fresh and actually sounds like what teenagers sound like and like complicated teenagers, not just like, I don't know, rude teenagers who are moody that like people dismiss all the time. Like, I don't know. What do you think, Asa? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I don't know. I, I think I agree. I think there are... I feel like there are a lot of movies out there which um, I think the whole the young people are very complex, um, and everyone was a young person. <laughs> everyone was we young all were as, young at one we're time. We're all young at one point, so we all can kind of relate and kind of enjoy those stories. Um, so I think I don't know. I'd say that there are there are a lot of movies made for for people my my age, my generation, because. Um, because there will always be teenagers who are confused or don't really know what to do or where, where to go. And these movies are a way for them to kind of relate to other people in a similar situation. Do you have a favorite? Like Maude really liked Lady Bird. My favorite, like young, sort of young adult. Young, aside from coming, The House of Tomorrow. Aside from, oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. Oh, that's a thing. Yeah. I just, there used to be like a lot of block, sort of more blockbustery types. But I think that's just the Netflix effect. Mm -hmm. Like these movies are out there. It all goes back to Netflix. Like the the movie last year, My Friend Dahmer with our friend Ross Lynch. And Alex Wolf. Yeah, exactly. He was in in that movie too. And it like, it had a small theatrical release. I went and saw it. But it wasn't like, since the movie market is so fractured, it wasn't like it got on, you know, thousands and thousands of screens. And like, or there's something like American Vandal on Netflix, which is like explicitly about the modern high school experience and how social media affects it. But it's not a straightforward movie and it went straight to Netflix, you know? So I think they are out there. It's just like... The they aren't f- the big blockbusters. Yeah. Like what we, what I, when, in my era of growing up, that it was, there was very much big film make like big blockbuster type movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I just thought of that one too. I mean, there'll be and, another Mean Girls. They come around every once in a while. It's a big, a big deal. Just, I just want you guys to be in more movies and <laughs> more movies that we can we can see. What are you each doing next? Um, I'm I'm not working on anything at the moment. It looks like this summer I will be. Um, I've got a couple of things coming out this year. Uh, I just had Journey's End, uh, which came out. I had a small release in the U.S., um, which is a, a World War One. I, I know film. that looks really. 
it's, sad. It's, a, it's an amazing movie, but it is very, it's, it's. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's about, it's the First World War. I know, um, which is that just, was, just was an awful, awful war. I read that it, was intense. Yeah. It doesn't. You read that of, was intense. Yeah. It was really bad. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't hold back in that regard. You really yeah. feel the terror of it um but i think it's a, a definitely a worthwhile film to see just to kind of remember mm-hmm. or to kind of experience a, a fraction of what it might have been like um i've got something coming out at the end of the year hopefully uh called slaughterhouse rules um and it's a british comedy with simon pegg and nick frost they, they're producing it and they're they're in it and it's that kind of dark comedy horror shawn of the dead Oh life, really? Son of the Dead. It's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> I like that movie. Actually, it's a great movie. Do you guys like the schedule of working on films where it's like work, work, work really hard around the clock, uh, you know, early and late, and but then you have a bunch of time off that's to yourself? I I like it because it means when I'm working, I can really focus on that and kind of immerse yourself in it and with the people you're with. And then, as you said, you have a lot of the time. You have a lot of time off, and you can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. Whether that's learn something. Or just like, uh, like put your feet up at home and play video games all day. <laughs> it seems like the most gratifying yeah. way to work. Like create something, take a break. Create something, take like a break. Yeah, we shot this movie in eighteen days. Like it was wow. like so oh, really? super super fast. It's amazing. Long days, but like it must have been. It was I all think, one take. Eighteen days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but I think because we were doing it so quickly and like we were so in it, we were in rural Minnesota, like in the woods together. We like, definitely wanted to get it done before the winter set in. Oh yes, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> It was so hot when we were there, but yeah, I don't know. Like being all in is like the best feeling ever. You could just focus. But 18 days. I can't get over that. A lot happens in this movie. Yeah. So Maud, what are you doing next? Um, I'm actually, I'm in college right now, so I'm at school and then, um, oh, that's I did great. A movie that was at Sundance. Are you a sophomore? I'm a sophomore. Yeah. Uh, called Assassination Nation that should be coming out later this year. And then I don't know. I, We'll see. We'll see. Do you have a major in college? Oh, theater. Okay. Well, listen, we really appreciate you coming by. And uh, it was great to talk with you and hear all about the House of Tomorrow. Thanks. And everybody should go and see it when it opens on April 27th. And uh, Go see the movie. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's really good. I just can't believe 18 days. Okay. They're still standing after that. (laughs) Okay. We'll talk to you later and come back again. Thank Thank you. you. Go see the movie. 